0: Don't you love your Bible? What a blessing that song is. Let's take our Bibles together tonight, because uh, that's what we're here for, is to hear from God, a message from God's Word. And so let's go together, if we can, to the book of Ephesians, chapter number three, please. The third chapter in the book of Ephesians. And I uh, must tell you that I don't know that we're going to be able to finish what we, uh, all that we have in front of us tonight. Uh, but uh, we're going to dive right into it and see uh, where the Lord takes us tonight. But Ephesians, chapter number three, uh, is where we're going to be this evening. And I'm going to read, for um, the sake of time, I'm just going to read the first five verses, but uh, this message um, will take us really through the end of the chapter. And so let's again look together, if we can, in Ephesians chapter number 3 and verse number 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you word. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words. Whereby, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets. Notice the last three words. By the Spirit. By the Spirit. The title of the message tonight comes really from the second verse when Paul identifies there the phrase, the dispensation of the grace of God. The dispensation of the grace of God. Of course, the Apostle Paul's testimony is well known to most of us. Paul was a leading Pharisee in Israel. Um, We first sort of learn of him as he presides over the martyrdom of Stephen, the first martyr in the in the New Testament church, we learn of that in Acts chapter number 7. And we discover that shortly thereafter, uh, Paul, who at that time was known as Saul, really was passionate about one thing. And that thing that he was passionate about was silencing followers of Jesus Christ. Enforcing the law in the, in the, in the nation of, of Israel and the uh, nation of the group of people that he was proud to be a member of. As a Pharisee, he was committed to the law of Moses committed to trying to keep the law himself and committed to seeing that others uh, kept the law as well. Prior to his conversion, uh, he believed in a works-based system of religion, believing that, uh, that it was somehow possible that he could do something to secure favor with God. And if that meant keeping the Sabbath day, well then Saul was bound and determined to the best of his ability to keep the Sabbath day. And if that meant not taking the name of the Lord by uh, his God in vain, then Saul was determined that he was not going to take the name of the Lord God in vain. And, and we go through the law and we think of the various commandments, the ten commandments that were given, and, and we think of the, uh, the the law code that existed beyond just the ten, And Saul probably had it all memorized, and he was doing everything that he could to keep this law and to make sure others did the same in order to secure favor with God. However, one day, while on the road to Damascus to persecute believers who believed in salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this man saw a bright light. And was confronted by a heavenly vision of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And that day, his life was forever changed when he himself was converted uh, as a, as a, from, a, from a, a believer, a practicer of Judaism, to a believer in Christ Jesus. Uh, and what he did for him on the cross as being sufficient to save his soul eternally. And God, of course, the Bible tells us, had a very special purpose for Paul's life according to Scripture. In fact, uh, shortly thereafter, uh, in which he came to Christ, here were the words that were given by God to a man named Ananias. The Lord said unto him, Go thy way, speaking of Saul, who we know of as Paul, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. As we come to Ephesians chapter number three, we discover that Paul, who is of course been saved now for a number of years, and Paul notes here under inspiration of the Holy Spirit that things that had previously been a mystery, not just to him, but to all of humanity, things that had previously been unknown or things that had previously been unseen i mean that's the idea when we use the word mystery it's 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 things that we we don't understand things that we can't figure out in our own mind in our own strength uh, paul writes that things that had been a mystery that 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 he that he had been revealed those things by Almighty God, he, along with others, he identifies here in this particular text, not just me, but he says the holy apostles and the prophets, that, that God had chosen him and that God had chosen to reveal these mysteries to him that had been mysteries for all of humanity throughout history and, and, that, and that he was determined, he was committed to making sure that these revelations were made known all around the world. That's what his life became about. That was what he was so passionate about. So here's the question we have to ask tonight. What was the mystery that Paul was given the privilege of uncovering? And I, I, believe, it's, I believe it's the dispensation of the grace of God. Here, here's, here's, what that means. Here, here's what that means. Here's what that means. Here's what God peeled back the curtain, as it were, and God allowed Paul to understand the meaning of this mystery, the things that, that, that man had, had, had maybe had glimpses of throughout history but, but, but didn't know in these certain terms. Here is the mystery. The mystery is this, that God delights in grace. God delights in grace. And that the ultimate expression of His grace to man was given in the form of His Son, Jesus Christ, who suffered, bled, and died for man's sin that 's the mystery that 's what it 's all about that, that god that, that, that god didn't god didn 't give us grace because well, I have to. I created these people, and um, you know I sort of I, I sort of created all of this so i i 've got to work away. No, 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 God delights in giving grace that God longs to give grace to people now here 's the question how how did Paul know? this mystery and how did he become so capable of sharing it so that his words listen are still with us today and his testimony still impacts us today in other words who clued him in on all of this how did he come to figure this out did he did he put it all together himself I mean, he was, a, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had all of the education. He knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. Did, did the Apostle Paul just sit down one day and just determine, no, I'm not leaving this room until I figure out what this is all about. Is that how it happened? Several years ago, somebody, somebody encouraged me to go to an escape room. I just want to go on record and say, I hate escape rooms. I mean, I really hate escape rooms. I've been to two or three, and um, I've never, I've never, I've never done anything to help us get out of that room. Never. Um, it makes no sense to me. What? Some of you have been there, you've participated in those things. I don't know who makes up those clues, but they're a whole lot smarter than I am. But you get the idea, right? An escape room is a room that they lock you in, and you have a certain amount of time to take the clues that you're given and to put it all together. To unlock every step of the way till the point where you unlock the door and you can escape out of that room. Some people love that. I hate it. I mean, I really, I, I really do. I'll just be honest with you. In fact, the last escape room I was at was for junior-senior banquet. We got in there and I thought, okay, I'm gonna show these kids how it's done. About 15 minutes into it, I was sitting in a couch in the corner of the room on my cell phone. I had no idea what was happening. I had no idea what was going on. And needless to say, we did not get out of that escape room. But when we think about, when we think about mysteries, when we think about things that, that we, we don't, we don't know and, and we're trying to maybe take little clues that we've been given and piece all those things together and, and try to figure it out. So, so we might ask the question, okay, Paul, is that, is that how you, is that how you came to understand this mystery? Is that how it all worked out? And I want you to notice what he says at the end of verse number five. How did did Paul know this mystery? How did did Paul get this revelation? And notice that the mystery was not solved by Paul. It it, It was not something that he figured out on his own. No, the mystery was revealed to Paul along with the other holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit did it. The Holy Spirit did it. Now now let me pause for a moment tonight and just say that if you're saved tonight, and probably the vast majority of you in this room, you're saved tonight. You know why you're saved? It's because the Holy Spirit of God helped you figure out this mystery. The Holy Spirit of God uh, went to work in your heart and into your life. And as you read the scriptures, and as someone perhaps preached the word to you or taught the word of God to you, uh, the Holy Spirit of God helped the light bulb, as it were, to come on in your heart and in your mind. And you understood. You understood. You you cannot, and I cannot, we cannot save ourselves that we are sinners in need desperate need of a savior and the holy spirit of god points us to the only savior jesus christ that's what it's all about so if you're saved tonight understand this at one time at one time you were in a spiritual fog you were, uh, you, you, were in, you were in the middle of, as it were, a maze trying to figure all of this thing out. And if you've gotten to a point in which you have you've been blessed with eternal life, it's because the Holy Spirit of God took you by the hand and you allowed him to lead you to the Son of God who is the only one who can wash away your sins. That's how it works. And we have emphasized the ministry of the Holy Spirit this year because it is quite clear. It is quite clear from Scripture that we can do nothing of a spiritual nature apart from Him. We discover in this text that without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we would all, all of us, would, would remain in that same spiritual fog that dates all the way back to the beginning of humanity's history. The work of the Holy Spirit takes things that were previously hidden or mysterious or unknown to us. And he makes them plain and clear. He solves the mystery. That's what he does. So tonight, we have our Bible. Brother Mike just saying about the word of God and how much we love it. We have our Bible because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, we know we know that God loves us and that he has made salvation available to every one of us because of the work of the Holy Spirit of God. We know that God has a purpose and plan for all of our lives because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, listen, every one of these things would have remained hidden or mysterious to us had he not revealed these things to us using God-called and God-enabled apostles and prophets. We would know none of these things. None of this would make any sense. We would all be still in our fallen condition. We would still be lost as lost could be in a spiritual fog, just like the vast majority of people in the Old Testament were in a spiritual fog uh, because the mystery at that point in time had not fully been revealed to them as of yet. Now, throughout the Old Testament, we see glimpses of God's grace. We see it in the Garden of Eden. We see it... In the ark that God allowed Noah and his family to enter into before the flood came. We see God's grace in Abraham's call and God's patience with him. We see see God's grace in Moses' call and and the exodus out of Egypt. We see the grace of God in the elevation of David from a shepherd boy to a king and, and and a countless list of other things that we don't have time to get into tonight. But but understand this, that the grace of God remains still, even with, those, even with those glimpses, the grace of God still remains somewhat mysterious to the Old Testament characters. It just did. There was, a, there was a law given, and the law during that day and age was harsh, as harsh as a schoolmaster would be. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Galatians 3.24, "...wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ." So while there are glimpses of God's grace in the Old Testament, no question about it, understand this, that the Old Testament primarily is is sort of about the law. And, And here's what God is doing. God is creating within us a hunger, a thirst, a desire for something greater because the law is nothing but a schoolmaster. The law is nothing but a disciplinarian. The law exists in our minds and we see it. And here's what it tells us over and over and over again. You and I are doomed for all of eternity. That's what the law says. And that's what the Old Testament was about. It's creating within us a hunger, a thirst, a desire for something, but we didn't know what that something was. Until God came, sent his son Jesus Christ, who was the greatest expression of the grace of God that ever was. And then and then God took a man like the Apostle Paul along with the other apostles and, and the prophets. And, and God wove this whole thing together. And God finally revealed to all of mankind the things that you and I, we, we hold to and we cling to and we believe with all of our heart and all of our mind. And the mystery, listen, the mystery was solved. And here's how it was solved. It was solved through the work of the Holy Spirit of God. God did this. Now the people, it's important to understand the people to whom that law was given, talking about the Old Testament law. By the way, that law was primarily the only revelation of God to man throughout the several thousand years that are contained of history in the Old Testament. The people to whom that law was given, here's what they did with it. Now understand this. Here's what they did with it. They hoarded it to themselves. They kept it to themselves. And here's what they did. They believed, they believed that because God had given this law to them, that because of that they were somehow they were somehow superior to all others because because of all the people on planet earth God had chosen to reveal himself to them. So so in other words even the clues that God was giving about himself were essentially missed even by God's people. And and as a result, listen, that mystery continued and that spiritual fog continued to hover over all people because the people that God gave his law to basically hoarded it and believed that somehow we're better than everyone else. The law demanded, here's what the law demanded. It demanded high morals, The law demanded blood sacrifices of animals. The law demanded the worship and adoration of God alone. And the law demanded swift judgment on those who violated its commandments. The law was lengthy. 613 laws in total. And the law over time became somewhat subject to man's interpretation. For instance, by the time Jesus comes on the scene. Now think about this. By the time Jesus comes on the scene, the law to remember the Sabbath day had been completely and totally abused. So one day, Jesus is, Jesus is walking on the Sabbath and he happens, he happens to come upon a man who is, who is disabled. Can't get up and walk. So, Jesus doesn't stop to think, well, what day is it? Oh, it's the Sabbath day. It's the Shabbat, as they would say in the, in the hebrew culture i i just hope that our paths cross again at some point in the future buddy because i can't do anything about where you're at today because it's the sabbath that wasn't Jesus' spirit was it no jesus beheld that man jesus said sir take up your bed and walk and he did he did he took up his bed and walked and the Pharisees, the ones that were tasked or were responsible for keeping the law and making sure everyone else kept the law, all they were outraged. They were outraged. What were they outraged about? That Jesus would have the audacity to heal someone on the Shabbat, on the Sabbath day. Don't you understand? We're not allowed to do any work on the Sabbath day. And then they were outraged at the man. What? Well, how dare you pick up your bed? and carry it to your home you're not allowed to do that it's the sabbath day i mean do you not see the lunacy in that do you not see how crazy that was that they would that they had so they had taken this law and they had so twisted it and distorted it and abused it as 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 to emphasize as to emphasize the letter of the law over the spirit of the law what was the spirit of that law the spirit of that law was to keep men and women from going out into their fields and plowing their fields and sowing seed and, 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 and harvesting uh, the, 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 the plants that they would have grown and, and, and would have been reaping in harvest time. Um, it was to keep them from going into town and, and, and setting up their little fruit stand or their little vegetable stand to make money. The, the, spirit, of that, the spirit of that law was to give them a day of rest. But they had come to the point where they, they so emphasized the letter of the law that you, you could get in trouble for doing something good. Can I even say it? Something that, that there was common sense on the Sabbath day. And that, and that the, the God, listen, the God who created the Sabbath day, who came up with this idea in the first place, is being criticized by the, the, the men that he created the Sabbath day for. That's what's happening. And I mean, it's just... It's just, this is business as as usual. Because at this point in time, listen, at this point in time, all of this is still a mystery to them. They're they're still trying to figure it all out. And, and, And to be honest with you, you and I probably would have done the exact same thing. We would have emphasized, because we often do it in our own lives, we would have emphasized the letter of the law as opposed to the spirit of the law. The holy law was in the hands of sinful men which inevitably led to it being abused by those same sinful men for their own selfish purposes. So here is the incomplete picture of the Old Testament from from man's perspective at that time. Here's sort of the incomplete picture. Now we we can put it all together because we're looking back on it, but if you would have been living in the Old Testament period this time, here's what what you would have thought. That God has chosen the Jews as a special people to reveal himself to. But as I look at them and as I see the way that they're acting, here's what I know about them. They are a group of people that are filled with pride and arrogance so that they look down on every other people group. They they themselves have a strict law that no one of them, not a single one of them can ever keep. So they eventually, here's what they eventually end up doing. They eventually emphasize things that they want to emphasize and they ignore the things that they wish to ignore. Because here's, here's the point. These same people that... Wanted to, wanted to keep the Sabbath day and, 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 and do all of these things. I mean, throughout their history, this same group of people had no problem whatsoever with idolatry. This same group of people had no problem whatsoever with marrying their daughters to pagan young men and marrying their sons to pagan young women. But you better not. You better not lift a finger on the Sabbath day. But sure, you want to marry a Moabite? Have at it. You want to marry an Ammonite? Yeah, why not? You want to bow before some false god? You want to create some little god of wood or of stone? Sure, no big deal. But don't you dare. Don't you dare leave your house on the Sabbath. Don't you dare pick up anything on the Sabbath day. Do you see how crazy that is? And do you do not sometimes, as we think about ourselves and we look back and, and we, we examine ourselves and the way that we've lived, and can you not sometimes see evidence of that as well? That we, that we tolerate things in our life that we would never tolerate in the lives of others? That, that we, we sort of, you know, we sort of, you know, we have little things that are going on in our life, and yet we stand in front of people and we demand, hey, you do everything the way that I tell you to do it, and you better make sure that you're living right and that you're doing the right thing and going the right way. For significant periods of their history, listen, this group of people were really, they were really no better than those that they, that they, that, that they saw themselves as superior to in worship, in words, and in deeds. In other words, they're, they're standing here and they're looking down on everybody else but the reality is they're no better than the people that they're looking down on. Most of the time, they're simply, listen, they're, they were simply going through the motions of their religious worship and God told them as much. But they really didn't have a clear idea or an understanding of what they were doing and why they were doing it. Oh yeah, they were bringing bringing the lambs to the the temple to be sacrificed. To the point where God said, I'm done with this. I, I take no delight in your sacrifices because you don't understand what it's all about. Because you're still in this mystery. And you think just so long as we bring the sacrifices that God will be happy. Just so long as we observe his feast, God will be happy. And God says, you're going through the motions and here's what I don't have that I really want to have. I don't want your lambs. I don't want your goats. I don't want your special days. I want your heart. I want your heart. But it was a mystery. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. God his plan and purpose, his love and character. I mean, really? Those things are relatively unknown and mysterious as this, uh, as, as this is among those that he's even chosen to reveal himself to in the Old Testament. In other words, the people who should know who God is, they don't really know who he is. They don't really know what this is all about. It's a mystery to them. And after centuries of this, when the time was right, God sent his son into this world and thus began to roll back the curtain and to lift the spiritual fog that had enveloped humanity up until that point from this period until today. Listen, we are living in an age known as the age of grace. This age is characterized by God's grace. And those of us, listen, those of us who have experienced God's grace are said to have been given, listen, the dispensation. That word means stewardship, administration, or mystery. We've been given the dispensation of the grace of God. That's what this is all about. I just want to conclude tonight by saying that tomorrow many of you will walk... Into a place of business, and you'll sit at a desk, or you'll walk a a factory floor. And I want you to think for just a moment that the vast majority of those people are still in complete mystery as to who God is and to what all of this is about. And here's what we must not do we must not hoard the grace of God to ourselves. We, we, must not, uh, we, we must not see ourselves as superior. Listen, you're going to go to work tomorrow and you're likely going to hear some, somebody say something profane rather than lifting your, your head and looking down your nose at that individual who said that particular thing. Rather than do something like this, it ought to break your heart. You're going to hear somebody talk about something perhaps that they were involved in over the weekend that you know, listen, you know that activity destroys lives. And rather than look down your nose at them and and to think you're better than them, what it ought to do is it ought to break your heart. Because that person's still in a spiritual fog. They don't get it. You do. Because God has entrusted to you the dispensation of the grace of God, the ministry of God's grace. And you and I, we're we're to take God's grace and we're to grow in it we're to allow it to change our lives. And we're to take it and we are to offer it to others. Let me tell you what God's grace has done in my life. Maybe, just maybe, the grace of God can do the same thing in your life as well. And as we begin to start talking about it, we begin to start praying about it, and we begin to start being burdened about it, don't you suppose that that same Holy Spirit that revealed that mystery to Paul all those years ago that same holy spirit is more than capable of taking your friend coworker neighbor who's steeped in religion that was paul i mean religion was all he knew and yet and yet god said i can i can change your life with the dispensation of the grace of god is it possible that in this room tonight there's someone who has never experienced, truly experienced by way of the new birth, the dispensation of the grace of God, the ministry of God's grace, and how it changes a life, and how it com- fundamentally alters or transforms not just my life down here, but it also affects and transforms where I'm going someday. You're in the right place. We can't save you. These baptistry waters behind me can't save you but we can introduce you to someone who can. His name is Jesus. And when you truly understand what Jesus did for you, you understand what it was all about, here's what happens, that fog begins to lift. That mystery is no longer mysterious. I get it. I'm a sinner. Jesus died for my sin. And if I believe in him, If I repent of my sins and place my faith and my trust in him and him alone, I can be saved. You can experience God's grace tonight. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment.